0: Love Talk Radio. Some major office supply stores are closing their doors, but Walmart has low prices on supplies you need to keep your business running smoothly, like two-packs of PaperMate ClearPoint Mechanical Pencils on rollback for $477, 400 count Post-It Notes Cube on rollback for 397 and 25 yards Scotch Heavy-Duty Packaging Tape Dispenser for just 288 Plus, Walmart's got great prices on things like copy paper, printers, and more for all your office supply needs. Save money, live better. Walmart. Blog Talk Radio.
1: This episode of Kimberly's Intentional Moment is brought to you by the Seika Network on Blog Talk Radio. Music
0: Good afternoon, good evening, and good night for all of you across the globe. How are you? Check in with that for a moment. Take a couple of deep breaths, those deep, conscious, active breaths, using your belly to gently help you exhale, and just notice, how are you? Ah, okay, so we are um so fortunate to have Salvatore Zambito again with us, and um, hi, Salvatore, Welcome to the show.
1: Wonderful to be with you
0: always wonderful. um, I just wanted to say one more time to the listeners, thank you so much for being so flexible with the show. Um last week I know we only did a half hour show just to make sure that the the new um headphones were working and they are. So we are up and running once again and I'm really excited about it. And today's show I I call this emotional intelligence and Salvatore you can total put, put your own words to what you describe um, as what we're talking about tonight. But talking about how how we can use yoga to support us in our emotions, how we feel. Most of us are feeling, or many of us, I should say, are feeling very overwhelmed these days there's so much going on and technology is moving so fast and there's always more to do and better to be and we sometimes feel like we only have two hands but we need ten and how how do we navigate this? And I know you and I, Salvatore, have talked many times about how do I navigate this? Well, who who is I? or Who Am I? And um, I I guess I'd like to just hand it right over to you. Like, where, where would you like to begin with the show tonight?
1: Well, the place I always begin with you, I think if we go over the tape, we'll find that we always begin by defining yoga. Okay, and, let's do that. Uh, because the term yoga has some confusion with it, so... Uh, The very word itself comes from Sanskrit, and all of the nouns in Sanskrit come from root verbs. And the root for yoga is uh, yuj. In Roman letters, it would be Y-U-J, yuj. And in the great list of Sanskrit root verbs, there are four chapters And three of those chapters give different definitions of huge and each of these definitions gives an insight into the range of possible meaning for this word and the significance that it can have in a person's life.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: In the first chapter, huge means control. Well, if we look at the conventional understanding of yoga, where people are moving their bodies in various ways, people are learning to control their bodies and learning how to control their breathing. If we go into other areas of yoga, the meditation, because the physical movements, the breathing, leads to what we call meditation, bringing the mind to a single point. That's actually technically called dharana, but uh, we won't be too picky right here. But when you begin to sit and watch the mind, again, initially, the issue is control. You're control. The second yeah. definition of huge is unite or yoke to bring something together. This is the one that usually when you're reading Western books, you talk about the word yoke and where it comes from. They say it comes from the root that means union. And that's correct as far yeah. as it goes. The union of what? Well, in some of our conversations, you've talked about how people are scattered or even shattered in their emotional lives and in their social lives. So the very first issue of union that I like to point out to people is that we want to bring this thing called I, this thing called personality, the, the local ego, we want to bring it into a state of integration. Into a union, an initial union. Um, if we go back in the history of Christianity, and one of the areas that I specialize in is uh, yoga and Christianity. Yeah. The the Christian mystics of 1800 years ago, who were living in deserts, the Desert Fathers, the ones who were living on the mountains in Mount Athos or Athos in Greece. Uh, on the mountains of Mount Sinai, Uh, there was a concept that in Greek is called hypothesis. And this means to become one with God or to move into God. So the idea of union is not exclusively a yogic one. It also has shown up because it's inherent in the human being to come into a union with God. Hypothesis. So this union, initially, from my understanding, is that we bring these scattered parts of ourselves together. A body may be uncoordinated, and move into the physical processes of yoga, and an integration physically occurs. As the breath and the body become integrated and certain processes occur, the mind becomes focused, then... Yeah. The scattered and shattered elements of the personality resolve. and we move into an integration or a union? Just in this local self, but this other union, this union with the higher self, is another element. So what I'm saying is that the word has some complexity to
0: it. Yeah. The third,
1: yeah, it's 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 really quite something. Uh, it looks simple, but it's not. The third, right. Uh, the in the fourth chapter of the verb roots. Huge means samadhi, and samadhi speaks to one of several states of consciousness that, in the Western English-speaking world, we call enlightenment. The word enlightenment is a little vague, really. It, it hardly anybody has any idea what it means. Uh,
0: again, George and I think suspicious. most people. I think most people actually, well, not most people. I think there are a lot of people that are it, it makes them feel less than, or it's somehow uh, it's something they can never attain, and so we may want to get clear on that.
1: Oh, hey, thank you for bringing that up. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. Uh, from the yogic standpoint. The human being is kind of clearly defined as having stages of development. And we see it to some extent in the Western world when we think of children and young adults and the schooling process. How uh, The yogic speaks of it as states of consciousness that are characteristics of levels of development. And the issue of what we call enlightenment, it's almost an evolutionary development. But samati has three forms in it. Some, okay. which is a prefix. It means perfectly or completely. Ah, which is all around. And the root, duh. Which means to place. So to be placed perfectly all around or to be perfectly together. So it speaks to a kind of higher integration. Uh-huh. And so if we go into. Uh, I, was, I was speaking to a certain development in Christianity. Yeah. And right now, I have to tell you that it's uh, that insight has moved away, so I'm just going to have to come back to it a little bit later.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: So if we look at the definition of yoga in the Yoga Sutra, the central book of yoga, the second sutra is Yogash Chitadriki Nirodaha. And it's a very challenging statement. It's four words but the difficulty, Kimberly, is that there are these are four words that have no equivalent in the English language. So we yes. have to give it... The, yeah, it's really something. We have to give it an approximation and I'm going to share with you the best approximation that I have found in 45 years of working in the Yoga Sutra. This is the Thank definition you. by Swami Veda Bharati, but Here's the. I'm going to give that to you, and then I'm going to give you another one that's also correct. So Swami Veda's definition of yoga, yoga is a state consciousness wherein all vibration in the energy field we call the mind has come to complete stillness. Yoga is a state of consciousness wherein all vibration in the energy field we call the mind has come to complete stillness. So this relates to that root, yuj samadhi. Now I said that yuj was a verb and people think of samadhi as a noun, a state of consciousness as a noun but in this place, the state of consciousness is seen as a verb, Kimberly.
0: I had a feeling yeah. you were going to say that.
1: <laughs> okay, this is very... Yeah, okay. Understand, when you get into the into yoga at this level, you're moving into a completely different way of thinking than is characteristic in at least the English-speaking world. That's right. Now, if if we go to the Old Testament... There's something very similar here. We're told that Moses went to a certain spot on Mount Sinai and faced a burning bush. And he asks the burning bush, who are you? The translation that has always been given is that the bush said, I am that I am. This is a serious mistranslation. It's not possible to say I am in classical Hebrew. There is no first person singular present tense. There is no I am. The correct translation for that is I will be but I will be.
0: Wow. That's different.
1: Now, I'm going to give you a citation. This was given to me by uh, Rabbi Zalman Schechter. a real Hebrew scholar I will be what I will be so this being this burning bush characterized itself as a dynamic process that never stops long enough to am
0: right so there's no am in this it's not still so it's if not we go static, back, I should say
1: There is not a moment of staticness in
0: this being,
1: and here is the truth. The same is true for you, Kimberly, and the same is true for me. Our language creates the illusion of static being, but in fact, we're in a constant state of Instant by instant transformation. If we focus on that, magic can happen. If we become and, and
0: focused, I will. I, the, the reason why I'm asking this is that it, certainly the question is coming up for me, and I would imagine it's coming up for a lot of folks. How does one do that? Like, but I I know yes or no, this or that. Static. Okay. How?
1: Okay. How? How? Yeah. Fabulous question, and I'm glad you stopped me to, to deal with it. First of all, it's probably not going to just happen for most of us.
0: <laughs> okay. We let's okay. get that out in the open. <laughs> let's get that out in the open. Very few of us.
1: I, very And when I say very few, I mean very few of us mm-hmm. speak fluent classical Hebrew. What I'm going to make here is a suggestion that I'd like for people to work with. I'm not going to say it's the truth. I found it to be correct in my life, and people who work with it typically have found it to be the case. Your cradle language, the language you grew up with. Yes this creates the operating system of your mind. Yes. Now, those people who grew up with two or three languages having to be spoken in their daily life are very fortunate.
0: Yes, they are. Because,
1: yes, they will have, in effect, two or three operating systems to work with. Some, but here's the thing: Some operating systems are very different from others. Now you yes. have a very good command of German and but I think that if we were to talk, you would agree that the Germans have past tense and future tense. They have mm-hmm. first person i second person you third person he she in Yes, so that's not a radical difference. You have singular right. and plural in German. When you go to Arabic, you do not have the same kind of formal past tense or future tense. It's quite different. Same with Navajo. There are languages, quite a few languages, that have no tense at all. Like? Well, it's very hard for people who grew up in the English-speaking world, for example, to deal with the assumptions in the Arab world. I lived in the yes. Arab world for a while, and yeah. their assumptions about time are, are radically different. And it works beautifully inside of Arabia, but when you get the rigid time punctuality of the English-speaking world and put it into Arabia, you wind up with cultural conflict.
0: Yeah, makes no
1: sense. Misunderstanding. So I'll be walking down the street in uh, uh, Dubai, and a friend will say, oh, Salvatore. You know, oh, I'm giving an Italian accent. That's not it. Uh, he'll be, but he would say, you know, Salvatore, it's beautiful to see you, let's have tea after evening prayers. I'll say, well, that would be wonderful, uh, I look forward to this. And we do have tea after evening prayers, but it will be three days later.
0: Okay. <laughs> yes, that is radically different than what you said in English. Yes. Just now. Yes.
1: What I'm what I'm trying to get across here is that all of the basic concepts in yoga come from a different culture and that these assumptions about reality are encoded in Sanskrit and then come forward. So what we have done is taken a cultural artifact highly specific to a very different culture, a culture that actually saw physical reality differently, Uh And we have adopted this, but then we have projected our assumptions onto it.
0: So, just for just a moment, only because you brought it up earlier, and, um, and, and you may or may not have the answer to this, and we may need to ask and invite some more people onto the show, which I am happy to do. Being that Christianity, because you brought it up, or, you know, Buddhism... Um, or really any of the religions that are, the, the, I guess, the big religions of the world now that, that most people have an idea about or at least have heard of come from cultures such as yoga, you know, where it comes from a culture where there is um, a, a a different set of assumptions at the get-go, can't, can't this also be, um, I guess, a a, a, um, a challenge for us in the English-speaking world? And I'm using English, and then you know, um, many other languages that are quite multilateral, com- comparatively speaking, as opposed to linear. Can can this also be something that we could look at? When we look at different scripts of the past, or scripts that have been around for a long time,
1: absolutely. And I don't know if we want okay. to go there or dedicate a different show to it, because where I'm going. Well, we with definitely this is, should. Yeah, in I'm the building future. a foundation here relative to the emotional question. And Fair But what? Yeah, but what you're saying, uh, I think, is important to examine. I just don't know if okay. it fits in today. Um, okay. Yeah,
0: we'll we'll and, revisit that.
1: You know, part of the difficulty that occurred after, you know, in the early Christian period was a large number of people actually were moving into the mystic unfoldment of John. From a certain standpoint, I always saw the... Uh, Peter. Remember, Peter... We have the saying that Jesus told Peter, "You will be on this rock; I will build my church." Well, Peter is the English version of Petros, which is the Greek form. Petros is okay. where we get petroleum and petrified wood. Petros means rock in Greek, but okay. his name in Aramaic was Cephas, and Cephas is Aramaic for rock. His name was Rocky. Oh. So okay. when Jesus said, On this rock I will build my church, he was making a pun. <laughs> Good. And that's Yeah, it's hidden in the language. Yeah. So so much is hidden in these languages. So going back to the definition of yoga,
0: Yeah.
1: the primary definition is that yoga is a state of consciousness wherein all vibration comes to stillness in the energy field we call the mind. Right. But remember the huge also has a root that means control. So another true definition of yoga, Yogash chitabriti, Rodha, is yoga is the control of the wave making action in the energy field we
0: call the mind. So this bet, I practice. want you to know. You exactly what what you did right there helped me a whole lot because the first thing that comes up for me, and and maybe it comes up for other people, so I just want to bring it up. When I hear control, my body um, starts to seize a little bit. I start to go a little bit fetal. And my 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 hands actually oh. come into fists a little bit because control can have such a a, um, a detrimental effect. But when you just lengthened it out a little bit, the controlling the wave action that was okay. different it, for me. It,
1: okay, I I I see the cultural uh, charge that you're talking about.
0: Okay, okay.
1: and. In this place, it means it would be more like the gentle containment and direction. Okay. Um, Thank you. Yeah, containment, direction, control here is is not a harsh. It's this doesn't work when it's harsh. So the yeah. the containment and the conscious direction. So somebody is sitting. Somebody, some part of us, decides to go into a room or a studio and move our bodies in a disciplined way. That would be another word for control—a gentle discipline.
0: Sure. A gentle discipline. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. And then something decides to sit down, and something decides to watch the thoughts. Now. This brings us, to, and we're still working on the issue of bringing the emotions to a happy balance. That's right. It still always comes back to who is this or what is this thing called I? I think I told you once upon a time that my wife is talking about putting a a little statement on my tombstone or on... Whatever memorial she does, it says he changed his mind.
0: <laughs> yes, who
1: changed? He did. Yeah, she's very funny. <laughs> um, I do like her.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so when somebody says I changed my mind, the question comes to who changed what? If the mind is predominant, if I think, therefore I am, in this. Supposed to be a proof of being, and the mind is the end. Then, who is thinking? Who can say I want to change the subject? Who can slap their forehead and say, "My God, what was I thinking"? Who can? Who is saying I have to rethink that decision? So within the yoga theory of personality, and certain schools of psychology, particularly transpersonal, there's a concept of the self-observant ego. There's this part of us that can think about thinking, who can review the thoughts, who can select things to think about, and direct attention. Yes. Yes. Difficulty comes in with what we would call identification. So people forget to be in that place of observation and centrality, the central person. And so people can become lost in thoughts, they can become lost in experience, they can become lost in emotion. Yes. And then we have that question, that I, I believe I mentioned a second ago that I heard the coffee shop. Uh, I hope I go to heaven when I die. What is die? What is going to heaven? When people talk about death and they say, well, I'm going to die eventually, what is going to die? This inus or this body? What is the Inus? The yogic process, and we can only go into it to a certain degree here, identifies some of these different aspects of the person, and it goes back to what I said earlier about an integration. So the identification of who do you think you are? Do you think you're your body? Do you think you're your mind? Do you believe you're the self observant being? hmm So when I tell you when I tell you that I'm going to come over and we'll to lunch, the that that is speaking, the internal identification is with that self observant being. This self observant being will somehow organize his body and his social obligations and transport this body over to Seattle and take Kimberly to lunch. Right. But it's the identification with that centrality. Bringing the emotions to a place of easiness, of integrated balance, equilibrium. Yes. This, that's, for the most part, I believe, the biggest challenge facing everybody.
0: And when you and when you say uh, bringing the emotions into balance, you are, I believe, being how many years I've known you and, and studied with you and, and sat beside you and talked with you, you are in no way saying that emotions are bad. No, not at all. That emotions no. aren't useful?
1: Well, I would make uh, a definition here that. Okay. And, I, and, and this is not an uncommon distinction that I'm going to make.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this actually kind of refers to at a show we had earlier with issues about the difference between reaction and response. Yes. And what I had said in an earlier show to define that reactions are robotic and habitual, while responses are conscious in the moment. So uh, if a woman had a problem with a bald man with a goatee, a white man in the 60s, and I go to buy some lettuce and celery, and she's the checker, she may have a negative reaction to me that will be a reaction based on past experience, but not an authentic response at this moment.
0: Right. Yes.
1: So what I would make the difference there is that the... By, this when I'm using the terms, this is what I'm saying. Emotions are habitual responses. I mean reactions. Feelings are authentic responses in the moment.
0: Okay, say that one more time. Say it again.
1: By my definition, emotions are habitual responses to stimulants. Okay. authentic responses in the moment to stimulus.
0: Wow. That that is very clear. That's very clear.
1: So this young lady who's scared or angry when I buy my vegetables is not having an authentic reaction to the man in front of her. She is projecting a past experience Bringing it forward, having a reaction that has nothing to do with this moment or this person.
0: Yes. She is reacting, not responding.
1: She's reacting to past experience, not to this moment. And it doesn't make her bad. It's just, you know, it's the way she does it. I understand that. Yeah, what yeah. we, no well, we do, we all do. Um, yeah. Now, I've had the opportunity to sit with a number of enlighteners at different levels of enlightenment, at different levels of samadhi. Three of them fully enlightened, and I have seen two of them have quite strong feeling projections and they all project feelings. If you go see Amma, the great hugging saint from southern India, this woman is sending out waves of love that can just about knock you off your feet. This is authentic feeling in the moment.
0: That's why it's so powerful.
1: Very powerful. I saw Swami Rama playing tennis one day. The man was a true master. Anything this man did, he did at the highest level. Watching the man play tennis was like watching a 20-year-old tennis champion. And a couple of girls were standing giggling and having apparently inappropriate thoughts. And... He stopped playing and turned and shook his finger at him and said stop it I, and this is what I heard, I remember him saying okay? and he said stop it I am not a man and I am not a woman stop it he was quite emphatic there was a certain level of frustration that he was experiencing in that moment and yes These girls, you should have seen their faces. They just, you know, the eyes got big as saucers, and their jaws dropped, Mm -hmm. and they stopped. And then he laughed, and he turned and went back to playing tennis. He was totally done. That
0: doesn't mean he was joking. It means that he got that they got it.
1: Oh, yeah. And it was not based on any experience he'd ever had before in his life, and he was not going to carry it forward again. It was in that moment that they needed that correction. He did it. He was done. So he was not talking to some teenage girl he knew from when he was 13 years old. He was talking to those young women in that moment. And I'll tell you, to have a correction from a man like him in a situation like that is an incredible blessing.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: And then... The third one that I'll give you was in the Osho Ashram. And on the night in question, Osho strode into the Buddha hall where he gave his evening talks, his discourses. And he shut off the music. He had wonderful musicians. And he gave a signal and the music stopped. And he sat down and he looked so stern that the whole place went ooh to a different level of silence. And he called out a name and told someone to stand up. And it was like a building thunderstorm, like being in a cloud and having a thunderstorm build around you. And he said the man's name and said, it has come to my attention that you have been in my ashram for five days and are now teaching a workshop in Vipassana this is excellent. I totally support your teaching Vipassana someplace else.
0: Wow. Okay, so back up. Let people know what you mean by Vipassana. Well,
1: Vipassana, that's a form of meditation. So this okay. man had gone into a master's ashram and set up a workshop in meditation. And mm-hmm. Osho said, it is good to for you to be teaching Vipassana someplace else. It is not good for you to come into a master's ashram and without permission to begin teaching.
0: Right.
1: And I'm all Indians would know this. I was really surprised, I was shocked that an Indian do such a thing. And he right. said, and two security people appeared beside this man. And he said, you will go back to your room. You will pack your belongings and only your belongings. Then you'll be escorted to the front gate. You will leave and you will never come back. I don't think I have ever seen such pure anger. It was a humbling experience.
0: Humbling and palpable.
1: Oh. It was like a force in nature. It was like being caught in an earthquake. And he sat in total silence while the man was escorted out. And then when he was no longer in sight, Osha was completely done with it. I don't know how to get across to you how complete. It was like a light switch changing. His energy completely changed. He was completely finished with the disciplining of this man. And it may sound like he was being harsh and mean, but he was teaching this man a lesson, what might be called a Zen hit. It was actually an <laughs> act of compassion. It was an act of compassion.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yes, and I I've then, had a Zen hit
1: myself. <laughs> yeah. And then when he was done, he was so totally done, and he turned and asked his disciple, so what is the first question that you have for me tonight? The energy changed so completely and so suddenly that it was like a switch.
0: The only you way totally... that I can... Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the only way I can actually relate to that, and I, I want to just give a way for maybe other listeners... To relate to that is I, I remember with my own daughter that the, the toddler tra- tantrums that they would have and they would be in a moment and they'd be very excuse my French, pissed off sorry French folks but we say this in America um, so mad and she would have this complete tantrum and then she was done. She'd just get up and walk away As and of course I'm reeling And I think parents out there can certainly understand, or or, or anyone that's worked with children can understand that. That's what it sounds like to me. It's just that switch where it's like, and now, next?
1: Well, that's because children and masters live absolutely in the moment.
0: That's true. And you, as an
1: adult parent, side of somebody, when her tantrum is done, she's done with it. You're not done with her tantrum yet. No, no. I suspect that that man who was escorted out of the ashram spent years processing what happened to him.
0: As would I. I can hear that. I can understand that.
1: But what happened there, it was done completely. So when he was talking to that young man, he was not thinking. There was no deep subconscious reaction happening for something that had happened when he was in college or in high school or a little boy. He was dealing Mm -hmm. with that situation right now. He was absolutely in the moment. Yes. Now, how do you be in the moment? Yes. I was just going to
0: say, let's move there.
1: First, the first thing is a decision. Do you want to be in the moment, Kimberly?
0: If you're asking me, yes. As awful and scary as it sounds, yes.
1: Is it, you, well, maybe it is. Certainly living in the past hasn't brought you great joy. So give it a shot.
0: No, exactly. I was just going to say that actually sounds a lot worse. So yes, let's go ahead and do this.
1: Okay, I'm going to give you, your listeners, a formula for living in the moment. We're ready. Oh uh, sure. Now you may want to come to a comfortable sitting position. You may want to sit with your back straight. But be okay. comfortable, okay? Withdraw your mind from times that have gone by and from times yet to come. Allow your attention to be absorbed in this moment. And in no other. Withdraw your mind from places where you have been, from places where you will yet go, and allow your attention to be absorbed in this place and in no other. Withdraw your mind from external relationships, objects, and activities. Allow your attention to be absorbed in the space bound by your skin and in no other. Allow your attention to be absorbed by the gentle caress of the breath in your nostrils and the mighty tidal flow of breath in your body and in no other. if your mind should wander, gently, gently, return your attention to the rhythm of the breath of the body, the caress of the breath of the nostrils. That's it, Kimberly. Beautiful. That
0: and, and 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 it's it's supporting everything we have been doing on the show since it started. So um, and, yes, thank you.
1: Now, if you will do this one hundred times a day, in two months you will no longer need to do it. It will be default focus. Here's one of Zambito's laws: Today's practice becomes tomorrow's state of consciousness. Good law. So I can, yes, and I can tell you, I can give you personal testimony. I've done this practice for a, for thirty years, and at a certain point, I did what I'm suggesting to you. I did it one hundred times a day. I didn't do it from a standpoint of every ten minutes. It was just. It came to mind time and time again, and it happened as a natural thing. I, yeah, I yeah. didn't over-control on it. So, right. but, I, but about 100 times a day, and if I only did it 50, big deal, but I did it a whole bunch of times a day. Yeah. And after two or three months, I no longer needed to do it. My attention was gently and effortlessly focused in this moment, in this place, in the space my body was occupying, Either going forward nor backwards in time. Now, I could yeah. sit down and remember an old girlfriend if I wanted to, but I did it consciously. It was not the mind just aimlessly wandering back in time. I mm-hmm. can sit down and plan, and plan my taxes or plan a vacation. I can look ahead in the future, but I did it intentionally mm-hmm. with focus, not my mind just wandering aimlessly ahead. So when there, at any given moment, this attention is focused in this moment, in this place, in the space bound by the skin, taking part intentionally, going back to Kimberly's intentional moment. This is self-intentional <laughs> moment. Every one of them is. <laughs> From a certain standpoint, there's only one moment, it's an eternal moment. Yeah. Now, what happens with this, typically is that people find they have this habit, they have habits Mm -hmm. of emotional reaction. And that's just fine. There is no problem with that. It's probably not optimal. But most people want to be present in this moment without anxiety and without various kinds of uh, psychological pressures. Yes. Yes. If it, and, and I'm not talking about here people who have deep psychological problems. Um,
0: I know, yeah. But thank you but for talking, for making that.
1: Yeah, I, this is probably yeah. not going to work with a true psychotic. Um, but mm-hmm. people who have certain kinds of disturbances that can be resolved through counseling yes. and work with this quite productive. I did. I had to untangle a lot of things tripping. So be present in this moment.
0: So they, when when you're feeling, when, when one is feeling what we talked about earlier uh, in the show, when I said, you know, people feel like, and I, I really get it, when you feel like you have two hands but you need ten and and you can't stop, like you just can't stop if you stop, everything else keeps going and it only gets worse. You're saying, go ahead and stop. Anyway, take some deep breaths.
1: I have some very favorite quotes of Osho, but one of my absolute favorites was when he said, he had us all got us all anticipated a very powerful meditation. He asked us all to sit, get our backs straight, just pay close attention. He said, now stop. Just stop. To a large extent, I'm not going to say all the time but what you're describing created and not altogether real now, if somebody has is three children and a house is burned down, you know this is a real urgency um of course,
0: of course yeah and and nobody but, would but, argue that yeah. uh, but what but, do but what I, does but I, when you say stop? When we say stop, because I, I often, I, I, I teach this, I practice this, and it is by no means easy. And one of the things that I often say on the show is, you know, easy and simple are not the same. Look it up, look it up in the dictionary. Sure. They're just not. Sure. It is that well, simple, though. Stop and take a deep Here's breath. And if nobody's going to die, you can take a couple more. Part of
1: it, Kimberly, is, yes, part of it is that we live in a culture that rewards being overstressed.
0: It does.
1: It rewards people being busy. It rewards people being stressed out. There's something called secondary gains, where if somebody's always stressed out and, and always in a state of anxiety, there are certain people who will give them loving support or right. being that way. Oh, the poor dear, she's stressed out. There's some complexity to the question here. So what is it that people want? It's been my experience that people do not want to go directly into deep relaxation. It creates another huge anxiety. I've had people come it into hockey yoga class oh, I've had people come into my physical yoga classes and get totally freaked out by relaxation. Yes. Now, a great German mystic once said that properly undertaken meditation relaxes the psychological defense mechanisms and this releases the demons from the subconscious things that we don't want to look at.
0: Okay. So I'm so glad that you just said that. So one of the, is the people, things that... Go ahead.
1: That's one of the reasons people don't meditate.
0: Yes, I was just going to say people that. People
1: have time. People have time to meditate. But when I have somebody tell me, oh, I tried to meditate once, but my mind was just running like crazy, so I never tried it again. I recognize mm-hmm. that something came up that they didn't like. It made them anxious. Yes. Even if they, weren't fully, if they weren't fully aware of it.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So, this, and I, I never push people to meditate. I never push it. It comes Neither in its own time. Yep. It, all, it comes in its own time. So, the question that you're asking about uh, people feeling harried and, and stressed. To some extent, it gives ego validation. Yes. In other cases, it's pure habit. We have an identification that if I'm not in a state of having more than I can possibly do, then I lose value as a person. It's very
0: common.
1: Yes. Very common.
0: common. I I feel it all the time in myself. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And I never fight that. If you tell me that in some way or another, I say, Oh of course, that's true, dear.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For the, for yes, the moment. Yes, you do. And for the moment. So the, the business of peace and easiness and equilibrium, the process of getting there is very threatening to the ego.
0: Yep. Yes it is. That is Typically, exactly i I'm,
1: I'm I'm overgeneralizing Kimberly. I'm I'm overgeneralizing. I know. It's not absolutely everybody, but to a very large extent the process of peace I don't even know if it's a social value in America anymore. I just I just just I just realized uh, while I was speaking to you another part of the mind the computer was running here and how long has it been since I saw the word peace in any kind of a social media uh, presentation? Peace is not part of the current
0: American cultural value. Agreed. I'm just. I'm just. I, not I'm just, because I think that I think that it's not. It's not so much that um, we have a whole group or a whole culture of people that don't want peace. It's it's not that, but it has um kind of spiraled into a place where it isn't it isn't the focus. And I think it comes back to and this is me, I'm just putting this out there. I I think that peace almost can feel too time consuming. Like that means you want me to stop, which means I can't keep going with all these things that my ego thinks or that my mind thinks is so important to give value to who I am. But I haven't even stepped back far enough to find out who who am I? What, what is this I? And, but doing that takes time. Like, I can see the spiral, can't you? I mean, you just, culturally, we are not set up right now for, Silence or peace. Well, Maybe or not even it, silence.
1: Is, is it boring?
0: Oh, yeah, that too. Yes. You know, you you can tell I'm the mother of an eight-year-old. I'm in that place of busy, busy, go, go, go. Oh, but you're right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well. You're right.
1: However, even with your life that has very tight scheduling. hmm Where's the real problem, Kimberly? I mean, you're 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 beautifully sharing yourself with us. You have a fabulous yes. eight-year-old. You have a you know wonderful uh, business. Yeah. You have a tight schedule, but why is this a problem?
0: It, um. It it well for me. Honestly, I've been in practice long enough that I can stop but I know what it feels like to not want to.
1: Kimberly, the only thing you have is the very moment. Yeah. One body, one moment. The problem for, and I've been there, be when we are not in the moment. Uh, Quite a (laughs) few years ago, I was, you you know, it's when we start projecting ourselves away from the moment. I was in a true traffic jam in Los Angeles a number of years ago, and I was sitting Uh behind a man in a Cadillac. And the man was drumming the seat next to him and looking at his watch. This was before cell phones. Right. He was drumming, he was tapping the steering wheel, he was giving every sign of impatience, and looking at his watch... And in the car next to him was a weird little green Dotson full of Hare Krishna guys. And the Hare Krishna guys had turned the car off. They'd gone into the trunk and gotten a drum. And they were dancing. One of them was out of the car dancing,
0: <laughs>
1: chanting Hare Krishna. I love that. So the guy in front of me is working on his ulcer.
0: The guys in the car
1: next to him are working on their enlightenment, and it's the same traffic jam. It's exactly the same moment. Oh, that's such
0: such a good story. That's so good. And
1: I'm in the moment watching both of them. I'm the witness.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, and and, and how great for you. What a wonderful moment.
1: Oh, I I laughed. I have used that example for years. Thank you, boss. I That's mean, like what, uh, what an incredible experience. And then the cars no start kidding. moving. The Hare, the Hare Krishna guys get back in the car and they drive off. Yep. The guy in the Cadillac eventually probably gets to his appointment. You'll get to your appointment. You'll get Katya to school. You're only able to do one thing at a time. But where we start getting anxiety is when we start blocking them up, and instead of putting Katya into her school, you're thinking three steps ahead instead of just being in the moment.
0: Right? Yes. Yes. That is exactly what happens, and I know that our listeners are relating. Yes. That is exactly so, what happens.
1: I'm giving you the formula, and I'm not saying that it's going to be easy, but it's very simple. Withdraw your mind from times that have gone by and times yet to come, and allow your attention to be absorbed in this moment. Withdraw your mind from the like places right now. you've been in and the places you will go, and allow your attention to be absorbed in this place.
0: It's so like simple. right now. Yeah.
1: Right now, right here. Mhm. Eventually you come to see that what I have given you is the formula for the lotus paradise.
0: Mm-hmm. Sounds beautiful.
1: It's great. It's great. And then eventually, people who do this very often, it's not universal, but very often, find themselves eliminating distractions from their life. Not because of some kind of a heavy control decision. They just find that television is annoying.
0: Okay. I have to interject here. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to use a word that I hear a lot with the the people in my life. Um, and that is streamline. We're actually giving you a way to streamline here. Streamline. Make it simple.
1: I can't comment on
0: that.
1: <laughs> that's I, fair. I just I'm not familiar with the term or the concept.
0: Okay, so streamlining for well, okay let, that that's a, I'm glad you said that. So streamlining for me and those that I come in closest contact with about it is about making life as simple as possible. Now, when we're talking about it, often we're talking about ways to streamline your business. So you have your bills paid easily this way, and you make sure that this is happening on this end, and much of it can be done technologically. And it helps free up your time to be a visionary. Did I just go on right. a tangent? Did well, you hear that? Sounds... I mean, you can hear it. Yeah. 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 So when we're streamlining well, no. here, when we're saying what's what's important is right now, where do you have absolute decision-making um, abilities right now? You're, in effect, streamlining your life.
1: It'd be interesting to find out how many people really do that. Which one? Um, who who are able to streamline? Okay. Be interesting.
0: Oh, yeah, it would. Because Let's put that out there.
1: Basically, this is a kind of a meditative process, from what you're describing. It is. So, you, the the mind cannot be wandering forward and backward in time. The mind has to be absorbed in this moment. The mind cannot be going to places where it has been and places where it will go. It has to be in this moment.
0: If the mind is
1: centered yourself. easily in this moment and is doing this streamlining, yes. then the demons and the subconscious are going to come forward because the distractions of the mind are there to keep you from dealing with this stuff that we're trying to avoid.
0: Oh my gosh. That. That was brilliant. So what just happened for me, and oh, I, I'm sure other people. I, I I hope that you will write in KimTalkRadio at gmail dot com. I know that we are not actually live right now, but I would love to hear what you have to say about this. So, in effect, when you streamline, we all know what this feels like, or many of us know what this feels like. So you're streamlining your life, your 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 household, your business. How you conduct your day, almost immediately you think about, well, what about this and what about that? And oh, remember this back here? And it, it is that same, but we have to come back to if we want to actually streamline our life or streamline what it is that we're doing in different segments of our life, we have to stay focused. And it is very easy to become unfocused. Oh, yes. No.
1: So, if you're dropping your little girl off about, at school. Yes. You're yes. not, here comes the problem. So, someone's dropping their child off at school. They're not actually dropping the child off at school. Their right. minds are running off to the office and the meeting that's coming, and they can't give the child the attention. They know. Oh, we all you know, know what
0: that feels like yeah
1: yeah well and and you know very well what's going to happen in your day when you take your little girl to school, you know your day's schedule. You do not have to be thinking about it constantly
0: right so yeah
1: instead of being in the car or in the school with your little girl in that moment in that place, the mind is wandering forward and the moment and the place does not get the full sacred attention that it deserves.
0: That's correct. And there there lies the guilt.
1: And then when you get to work and you get into your meetings or into your Mm -hmm. sessions, a part of your mind Mm -hmm. is thinking about your little girl.
0: It can happen.
1: It's, very typical. I'm not, and I'm only using you as an example. I know that you're. you're no, more I appreciate
0: that. it. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: So what happens here is that we wind up, and I'm speaking from my experience, when I was an active father with right. little boys, that when I was with them, i I was obsessed with the things that I had to do at work. When I was at work, I missed my boys. I noticed one day, I actually saw this, and I said, wait a minute. I'm neither giving my work 100% nor am I giving my boys 100%.
0: That's correct, yeah.
1: And so what happened really was that I made a decision that when I walked out of the office, I was done with the office. And I went home, and I was with my family 100%. But when I left my family and I went to work, I dropped it. I just did not think actively about my family. The heart connection is there. It's not going to go away if I'm not consciously thinking about every moment. Right. And I had to give my work 100%. That was and And if you think about
0: it, the intention for, for both to be successful are always there. Like that, we know. Why wouldn't you have the intention for you to do your best so you receive the best?
1: Sure. So that would probably be, and I haven't actually, I'm thinking out loud here, this is probably one of the first times that I was playing with being in the moment, in the place, totally, with intent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have to tell you, one of the practices that I have, that I've been doing for some time, and it gives my ego a pat. So, you know, I always look at it as a bonus when your ego can, oh, I'm relaxed because thanks. Um, sure. And good, good it, ego. It, 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 it Exactly. Good little ego. Um, I I always, when I drop my daughter off, I kiss my fingers. It's, it's actually started by her. She kisses her fingers and she puts her fingers on my heart, or my heart center, I would say. And it always feels really good because coming from her, I know that is 100% right now. Like this is happening now. I just do the same. And I want to invite everyone that's listening to remember that all those little things, when I talk about something rather than nothing, that's what I'm talking about. Every single moment counts in the practice. So when you have that moment with your little and you touch their heart or they touch your heart in whatever way that that happens for you, it's part of the practice. Like, go ahead. It's okay. Be there. That feels good. One of the other shows that I've had, and we'll go into this on in another show with Salvatore for sure, um, but is how difficult it is for us to feel good. Because sometimes in those moments, like you said earlier, I think the word you used was magical. They are. And it it feels magical and your ego takes it in too. And that's okay.
1: Well, to tell you, Kimberly, in a large extent, I'm not sure. And remember, I live like a frog in a well. my, My social contacts are pretty limited. But... I still get the impression that being happy is not fully socially acceptable in America at this time.
0: I I will agree with you. That is how that is. Yes. I feel the exact same way and, and that's why I teach and practice more than anything, practice being as happy as I can be. So noticing a moment when I feel happy and allowing, go ahead, feel happy too. Because we know we spend lots of time on the other side. So go ahead, well, and, feel it. What's that feel like?
1: And if you look at your life, and I think if most most of the listeners look at their lives, things are working at least 80% of the time. Yeah. Um, Many people think of very big things that aren't working in their lives. Now, there's two stories I'd like to tell. One was something I heard from Osho, and I'm giving you the best quote that I can. It was one of those nights when he came in and he was very serious. And he made the music stop early and made eye contact with everybody in the hall before he said a word. And there had to be 6,000 people.
0: Wow. How did one even do
1: that? Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, And then he said, or I heard him say, Why are you here? I do not understand why you are here. You are here of your own free will, and I had nothing to do with this. I did not force you to be here. Enlightenment is coming soon enough, no matter what. Why are you amplifying and accelerating the process? No one has put a gun to your head and forced you to meditate. This is your own decision do not blame me when it occurs. <laughs> do not think when you have been to the top and seen the face of God and found that it is your own and then come back that people are going to be happy to see you. History simply does not support that delusion. There's a reason we poisoned that, Socrates. That's
0: fair. Yep.
1: There's a reason we pointed poisoned Socrates. There's a reason we tore Orpheus limb from limb. There's a reason we hung Jesus from a cross. There's a reason we stoned Vara. Actually we burned Vara. We stoned Mahavira. And we poisoned the Buddha. And the reason is that humanity simply cannot tolerate that much beauty, that much integrity, and that much joy. It's not a new problem. When I came back from India in 1991, I met a beautiful nurse named Becky. And began a process of supporting her. She taught at a local community college nursing program. And one day I went to the college I was waiting for her. And one of her colleagues, an older man, sat down beside me. And he was kind of gruff and he said, and, and when I came back from India after living there, as long as I did, I was... I had some rough edges, Kimberly. I was kind of a, an American sadhu. And I, <laughs> I was not hiding out at all. And he sat down beside no. me and said, Are you happy all the time? And I said, Well, pretty much, Mr. Sofredi. And he said, Well, how come? How come you're happy all the time? How can that be? What are you happy about? And I said, well, nothing. I'm not happy about anything. Well, how can you be happy and not be happy about something? And I said, well, (laughs) Dr. Zafredi, are you familiar with free-floating anxiety? He said, sure. And I said, well, let me define it so I'm sure that we're talking about the same thing. So free-floating anxiety is a sense of anxiety going from uh, very mild to pure terror but it is not triggered by anything external, no external stimulus. It's just an internal reaction to general being. Said, yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I said, well, where other people have free-floating anxiety, I have free-floating joy.
0: <laughs> I'm and sorry, said, that is funny.
1: Oh, it's hilarious,
0: <laughs> and he was very
1: broad. Well, I've never heard of that. Well, it's not a common condition, but it's what I've got.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Please continue.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you that I've had to learn to hide that level of joy because it is upsetting to people. I mean, it's not like I was dancing in the street
0: Mm-mm. I wasn't. No, but I think no. I think we're all relating to this. I I, I think this this isn't just me. I mean, it it's it, but it is funny. It's like so why?
1: Well, so you're taught first by families and then by communities to hide your joy. You hide it enough, and you
0: forget about. It. Or you're almost afraid of it. It's almost a fear. It's almost. The only thing I can, I guess, in my own mind, bring it to is this feeling of like, if I feel joy, that means I'm going to have to be okay with fear. I'm going to have to be okay with being angry, which, you know, is just underneath fear. It's like, so if I experience that, I'm signing up. Go ahead. Good. Huh? Oh, I was just going to say it, 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 not quite, not quite. So, if I experience too much joy in my life that means I'm going to have to experience that much whatever's on the other side. Fear, anger, angst, uh, sorrow, all the things that can fall under that. And sorrow doesn't always fall there, but it do I have to balance this with that? You know, if I feel joy, I have to feel pain. Sure. And I, I think that is a real. You're, it, it's real. It is in our culture. You're not. It's really not okay to be joyful a whole lot. Like you can. It was a. But not a, a whole a Swiss
1: lot. Psychos- a Swiss psychotherapist wrote a book some years ago. The title of it was "Thou shalt not be aware." and she was dealing specifically with issues of child abuse. But I found wow. that the title of it spoke a great deal to the issues that I have to deal with in the Western world. I don't deal very much in depth with Asians, with Indians or Chinese or Vietnamese. I, don't, I just, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, was, uh, Arabs. Uh, I deal with Westerns and right. mostly English-speaking, mostly, not totally. Uh, I've had quite a few German students, close students. And, um, we could have a show just on how different cultures deal
0: with this. I know. Yeah, In American we need England,
1: to. we have a situation of thou shalt not be aware. And right now, there are three things that are really quite off the board joy, peace, and courage. These are not real acceptable in America right now.
0: No, although I would say that the idea, uh, courage in what it really is, and courage can be misconstrued as something else. I think that is actually rampant. Throughout, They think it's, or we think, it's actually, it's it's such a we thing because I really feel it myself. We think we're courageous. Really, we're just uh, wanting to be powerful in our own lives. We're being assertive in our own lives, or so we think, instead of courageous, which is different from that. It's different from assertive and moving forward and...
1: and I yeah. feel, oh, I you- find... I find that very much what I have to deal with are very different from the social mythologies. Uh, I find that uh, being fearful and having a sense of inadequacy have almost come, perhaps at a subconscious level, to a certain kind of social... Standard. So, what I'm suggesting here of being easily balanced and joyful in the moment goes against the flow of cultural conditioning in America.
0: Yeah, maybe even outside even outside of America, but I I agree with you. I can only really speak for what I am living in.
1: I can't talk about every culture in the world. Uh, We can only deal with, you know, ours right now. Uh, But I don't find that to be the case. I do not find that uh, two or three months ago I taught a weekend class And one of the questions that I asked was how is peace of value in your life? And what part does violence play in your life? There were 30 people in this class. There was a yoga teacher trained. I said, I'm not going to speak till you do. And we sat in silence for 10 minutes.
0: Wow. That's an experience right there.
1: Nobody could articulate a definition, personal definition of peace. And no one could articulate the part violence played in their life after fifteen minutes of silence it became clear that nobody was going to be able to answer the question
0: I I'm, to give I'm, up. I'm having a, I can't blame you, and how many people can sit through that much silence?
1: I was completely blown away. Yeah. I still am. I still am.
0: Good. I get it. That, that's, that's actually, uh, that, and it make, and you love the fact that really what you had was a room full of people that were honest. <laughs> I mean, oh not yeah. the outcome anyone wanted, you know? <laughs> But Nobody started
1: talking because they were just uncomfortable. I mean, I expected that.
0: Yeah, but, but there's more the than The energy
1: that. there. How do the you. Energy, yeah. The energy was not the energy of birds. The energy there was the energy of frozen rabbits.
0: Right. Yes. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah.
1: So when we're talking about what we're talking about here is existential. This is not superficial. This is not trivial. This goes Mm -hmm. to the very heart of the matter of self-definition, how we see the world and what we're allowed to talk about and think about. Right. I really got a feeling that many of these people felt that I had moved into an area that was extremely taboo. I don't
0: I think know. they you're... didn't they didn't say <laughs> see I mean this is, um well, I don't yeah, taboo or just simply what i I guess what I got from it, just hearing about it is honesty, like I felt like that was an honest room because that is not an easy answer, there's not an easy definition.
1: Well, I'll tell you, Kimberly, I'm 68 years old. Okay. And I can tell you that when I was the age, there were a few, two or three older people in the group of 30. They were mostly in their late 20s. I can tell you absolutely that when I was in my late 20s that there had been 30 of us in a room and you'd ask that question. You would have had a vigorous discussion that you'd have had to cut off early just to call it a day.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> no, I mean I, I absolutely will tell you that forty some years ago you could not have shut us up on that.
0: Yeah, agreed. Okay. So Good. there's
1: I this is something I don't understand and I'm doing mm-hmm. I'm starting to do some research in it to try to find out what is going on here. But no, this was mm-hmm. not people who were not speaking because they were deeply courageous. These were people who were paralyzed and unable to mobilize Um, their thoughts and communicate.
0: Okay. Wow. I don't even know if they knew
1: what I do not know if they knew what peace meant. I'm pretty sure they know what violence is. That's, you know, there's plenty of that.
0: Yes. Yeah. um,
1: But remember, I'm talking to a who are a 20-year-old now, uh, they were like 6 or 7 when nine eleven happened, and they've had war all their lives.
0: Right. Wow, yeah. I guess I had not even thought of it from that angle.
1: And... Nowhere in public pronouncements in America is peace spoken of as a value or a possibility. At least it hasn't in the last 15 years.
0: And, And here's why you know. I just said to you, and you and I both know we know what each other means by peace and the definition of peace. I, yeah.
1: Well, the thing here is, with this group, we were not having any kind of talk about different terminology. That would have been great. What I mean by peace, what you mean by it, that would have been great.
0: Right, yeah.
1: No one was yeah, able right. to step a single foot forward. Peace as a concept is becoming foreign here.
0: we got to bring it we got to bring it back. Well,
1: I and, I think so. I think yeah, so. Yeah, well,
0: and I think I think a lot of people think so. You know, it's like we really do. How we do that is going back to, you know, the beginning of the show. And you know, we're getting close closer to the end, although we do have a little bit of time left. I want to make sure that we cover what we really want to, Salvatore. Um Let's go back to it. Okay, let's do it.
1: The question that we were originally dealing with this show is the issues of resolving the scattered mind, resolving the sense of personal shatteredness, to have a certain kind of integration that allows us to be easily and peacefully present with ourselves and others in this very moment and this very place. So the first thing that is necessary is an act of will, a desire to be easily present in this moment. We might call that a peaceful moment, the willingness to be in that. From a practice standpoint, if somebody says, how do you do that? You gently allow your mind to become absorbed in this moment and in no one. Gently allow your mind to become absorbed in this place and in no one. Withdraw your mind from external relationships, objects, and activities and allow your attention for a moment to be absorbed in the rhythm of your breath and the caress of the breath of the monstrous. Allow yourself to take a 30-second vacation. All of your life's obligations will be waiting for you if you take a minute for yourself. If you take a minute for yourself, it is not an act of selfishness. You will be more you and a greater gift for those in your life with whom you live and whom you work. So give yourself the luxury of this very moment, this very place. I'm done.
0: Wow. That, thank you so much, Salvatore.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: I mean, this this I was, like
1: better than being in this moment and in this place with you.
0: I know we do. We have such a good time, and I have to say, what a wonderful show! This is the longest show I have had, and. Honestly, absolutely perfectly so. And I am going to talk to everyone about just that. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. And I love being in the moment with you.
1: Then <laughs> we'll do it again.
0: We will do you. it again. And, oh, I love you. And I want you to know... Um, uh, listeners out there, he is not leaving. I'm not sure if I... I thought I did mention this after the first of the year, but I'm not sure. He is leaving. Salvatore is leaving in March, but he may be around for, what, another show? Maybe two? Uh, One. One more show. Don't
1: be a piggy, but I'm always available for you.
0: (laughs) Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And listen... Um, if you want to talk with us about this, if you want to have another show that is related to this, um, or any comments or uh, ideas that you have, please email me at kimtalkradio at com. And Salvatore, again, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. Good night, Kimberly. Good night. And the rest of you, remember, here we are being peace
1: So go, be, do,
0: peace I'm Clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth. Because I'm happy. Clap along if you know what happiness is to you. Because I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like that's what you want to do. Because I'm